So may God give us a blessing as we consider his word for just these few minutes. And I want to speak yet again from the book of Hebrews. For those of you who are visiting with us, welcome. We're just so delighted you are here. But we've been in the book of Hebrews all fall, and we will probably be in the book of Hebrews for quite some time to come. You go, well, why would you be in the book of Hebrews on Christmas Day? Well, we're in the book of Hebrews as it talks about Christmas Day. And I will show that to you in just a little bit. We have seen in Hebrews chapter 2, we read this at beginning at verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Now, the reason I start there is simply this. Throughout the book of, or the second chapter in the book of Hebrews, Christ is contrasted with the angels in one way or another. We constantly get references to the angels. And here we see that the angels are not the ones who had everything put in subjection to them. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. And so we understand clearly from this text that there's a class of beings, this angelic being, which would be considered above us uh, in the created order, but below God, of course. And the son of man was made lower than them. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put in all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. When was he made lower than the angels? When he took on human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And it goes on in a number of different ways to show how Christ stands out as he took on human flesh, being made lower than the angels. I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. It is much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. When he was laid in that major partaking of flesh and blood, he shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And here's our verse for today. For indeed he does not give aid to angels. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Literally, the word about giving aid there means to take hold of. I don't very often feel the need to correct the translators. But the word literally means he did not take hold of the nature of angels. We're back to this whole thing about angels. Second chapter of Hebrews repeatedly references Christ as he relates to angels. And it says very clearly here, he didn't become an angel. He didn't take on the nature of the angels. He took on the nature of the seed of Abraham. And that statement is just Filled with truth. First, as he contrasts Christ with the angels again, the writer to the Hebrews 
I believe, points out that there's three words I just want us to consider. The determination. The, the determination on God's part to love us, to reach out to us, to save us, to, to take us out of this world of darkness. The determination that is seen when he bypassed the angelic realm, because remember, it's God, self-existent, first layer of, or, or first realm or power, if you will, of, uh, of creation. Angels below that man. And he didn't stop here. He came below this first realm, this more significant, this more powerful realm of created beings because he was so determined in his love for us. He was so intent upon reaching us, saving us, drawing us out of the darkness that we all live in in this broken world. The first word is determination as he bypassed the angelic realm to become one of us. Secondly is he took on humanity. He took on flesh which this entire chapter is referencing, became the baby in the major who would grow up. He completely identified with us. That's our second word is identification. Completely. Human form. Bound up with the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, so that he is totally God, totally man. That's why we say this is the most incredible event in all of history. Nothing like it. His identification with us as he took on the seed of Abraham. And that statement is just powerful, friends. Powerful. Because it identifies that Christ is the one who was long promised. You know, the promise of a coming Redeemer happened all the way back in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that he would send one who was the seed of the woman and that, that this one would save his people. And we watch the story unfold. And then we get to Genesis chapter 12. And God pulls Abraham out of the entire population of earth. He pulls out Abraham and he says, You are going to be the father of a nation. And that nation is going to be the one within which or from which comes this Redeemer. And so when... When the writer says he took upon him the seed of Abraham, he reminds us of this redemptive work that God has been playing out in all of history. Promised in the garden. Promised again in Abraham. And centuries later, fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. God in his magnificence, his determination. He skipped the angel so that he could come down and do it firsthand, first person, if you will, right among us to show us his love, to demonstrate his grace, his determination, his complete identification as he became human, every bit as human as we are. And next week we'll see why that matters, even in another element, another distinction. And then in his redemption, that ultimately he bore death for each one of us, that we can be made right with our Heavenly Father. Magnificent, magnificent truth. Dear friends, we have all 
given and received gifts this Christmas season already, and we probably have more to give and to receive. But we miss the point entirely if we do not receive the gift of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. That is the great hope of each one of us. And without him, we have no hope. So may I encourage us yet once again this Christmas season to to know for sure that we have received the gift of Jesus Christ. And if we are not sure, it's very simple to simply say, Lord, I understand that you gave your son as a gift to me. He died on the cross for me. He took on flesh to identify with me so that he could die on the cross in my place. And you offer him as a gift to me. And Lord, this Christmas season, 2016, this Christmas day, if need be, 2016, I receive that gift. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Ah, friends, that's where the joy begins in knowing him in a personal way. Amen? Amen. 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 God, bless us as we move forward in this service, Lord. May your spirit fill this place as we minister to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.